Hello, this is Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 260 of Dogcast Radio, which is all about sleep. It's just as important for your dog as it is for you. So make sure that you both get quality sleep. And don't be put off by these old age trainers who say your dog shouldn't be on the bed, your dog shouldn't be in your bedroom. That is the best place for them, for you and them. Later, there's the Dogcast Radio News. In the week we had Valentine's Day, the Kennel Club revealed that almost half of dog owners would rather spend that special day with their dog than go on a date. But right now I'm going to talk to Tony Shelbourne. Tony is an accredited animal behaviourist a Tellington Touch instructor, a real dog yoga instructor, and an author. She always offers reliable, practical advice, which is founded on a deep knowledge of dogs, through experience of her own and clients' dogs, as well as study and science. I often think of dogs as being able to fall asleep enviably easily, but it's a much more complex issue than that. So how common is it for dogs to have a problem sleeping? Well, you'll get phases in life where it's more difficult. Obviously, you know, you need to, uh, puppies obviously will sleep a lot, but then as they get to teenagers, you often get this stage where they haven't quite fitted into our circadian rhythm. Yeah. So being crepuscular, of course, being active dawn and dusk. I love that word. Might be awake. Yeah. yeah. I love crepuscular. Sounds like a real um, insult. You are crepuscular, you are. <laughs> Because they're active dawn and dusk, so they mm. want to wake up really early and they go, go, go. And we still want to be lying in bed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. They, they will often, like, adjust to us, but it takes time. So teenagehood can be a little bit difficult. And then, of course, you'll get the other end of the scale with elderly dogs who maybe have some doggy dementia, you know, that canine dysfunction, and then they have trouble sleeping as well. Yeah. So what I find with the sleep stuff is it's one of those things that obviously people have to deal with because Mm. they then get sleep deprived. And as we know, sleep deprivation is really bad for any species. I mean, we can put it up there. I think they list it as one of the most dangerous skills is night working. And you can actually um, die just as easily from sleep deprivation as you can from lack of water or food. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so fundamental. Mm. It feels like that, doesn't it? I have, I don't know if it's insomnia or if it's just a sleep um, disorder or whatever, however you put it. But often, you know, I'm still, I'm still online. Online is the criminal here, but <laughs> I'm still online. And my friend who's in Australia or friends who are in America will message and I'll ping them back and they go, what are you doing awake at this time? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I'll feel tired. And I get to bed and they just go, and I'm awake, you know, it's it's annoying. But at least the dog doesn't have the um, the internet to <laughs> distract them. No, but they sleep really different from us. Mm. So they're polyphasic sleepers. So that means they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily asleep for the whole of the night like we are. They don't have that six to eight hour block. Yeah. They can sleep at any time of the day and get restorative sleep, but their sleep cycles are much, much shorter. Yeah. So... You know, 45 minutes is kind of the norm. And they may have gone through like two cycles of wow. like light sleep going into deep sleep and REM sleep. But they, they're in those, all those phases a lot shorter than we are. Yeah. 
But whereas we can't sleep in the day, well, we can sleep in the day, but it's not as restorative Mm. for dogs. They can catch up at any time. So you'd be surprised at how many dogs, if you woke up in the middle of the night and you looked at your dog, are just sort of sitting there. (laughs) Yes, bless, just waiting. Yeah, yeah, and how they get um, uh, woken up much more easily because this is why they're polyphasic, because they need to be able even from an REM sleep will wake up really quickly at the slightest noise or movement from us or something disturbing them outside because obviously that's a survival instinct as well yeah so they're they're really different in how they their sleep patterns are put together than ours yeah yeah but I mean that's quite a a common experience isn't it that you you wake up and there's your dog with their chin on the bed kind of going are you awake yet? Are you ready yet? And, and like, as you say, they're either disturbed by the fact that we were rousing round or they were awake and waiting. And I remember with them, particularly Buddy would do this. He'd be like, come on, get up, get up, get up, get up. And I'd get up and I'd give him breakfast and then bang, he'd be asleep again. I'd be going, I'm awake for the day now, mate. You're, you're passed out on the sofa. This isn't fair. Well, that actually is another reason why a lot of adolescent dogs wake us up. is because they're hungry. Yeah. A lot of the time now we're going for low carb diets. And if you've ever done a low carb diet yourself, you know how blinking hungry you get. Yeah. These dogs are growing and they need that kind of fuel to keep them through. So I often say to people, either move their food later in the evening or give them a small meal before you go to bed. But don't like wake up in the morning and feed them straight away. (laughs) Otherwise, they're going to get you up earlier and earlier. (laughs) Oh, tell me about it. Tell me. I mean, and I think another thing, maybe another problem with with sleep issues is because it impacts my sleep, you know, sometimes I might perceive that as bad behaviour and take it personally. And that's going to cloud the issue, isn't it? And I stop seeing it as a problem for the dog. As you say, they're hungry or they're, you know, whatever the problem is. I start seeing it as you're just being naughty and attention seeking and you're disturbed, you know, and that really then starts to muddy the water, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because, of course, then we're tired, so we don't deal with things so well. And you know what? There's really common reasons why dogs wake us. And Mm. one of the most common ones at this time of year, and it's always this time of year, I tend to get phone calls from people about the issue, is the dogs are cold. Wow. We think they've got a fur coat, they've got a bed, they're fine. But as you probably know, sometimes you can wear pyjamas. I haven't had a winter duvet and you're still cold. Yes, yeah. And especially short-coated dogs, lurchers and, you know, whippets, that kind of breed are are really renowned for being very cold. But any dog can get cold. Yeah. And I often say to people, oh, no, they go, oh, no, it's fine. They've got a a bed line. And I'm like, get down on the floor and see how much colder it is down there. Yeah. And also, when your heating goes off, when is the coldest part of the day or the morning? 3, 5 a.m. in the morning. When are they waking you up? 3, 5 in the morning. Yeah. So move the bed somewhere warmer. Or if you're probably not a good idea, this uh, this uh, economic climate to leave the heating on all night, but move them somewhere warmer or give them a raised bed. Or yeah. if they're in the room with you and it's safe and you would wake up if they got, you know, tangled up, some dogs can wear a coat overnight, like pyjamas. Yeah. Or just kind of give them something that's a little going to be a little more warming, and that often will sort the problem out. Yeah, yeah. Keep you both warm. Get them on the bed with you. Warm the dog. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you've heard the saying, haven't you? Three dog nights. Absolutely. <laughs> it's cold. Yeah. Yeah. I always think we've only got one small dog at the moment. I haven't got enough dog to keep warm. <laughs> <laughs> Add another dog on the bed; it will be good. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's it's you've stirred a memory actually because I think it's really 
so important that you're you're giving people really good advice about this because I remember, oh gosh, we're talking about 20 years ago maybe, when we went to our first class with Buddy and the guy there had been involved with dogs for, for years. But obviously, he we're going back even further then, 40, 50 years, for his basis in, in dog training. And he was a very bluff and blustery chap. And one of the ladies said, oh, my, dog's, my dog wakes me up. Now, we're, I'm not endorsing this. This is not going to be in your book. This is not going to be coming from any good trainer. And I, I left this trainer, actually. But he said, right, you, where's the dog? In the kitchen. Right, you go down, you bang the kitchen door. That'll shut him up and you go back to bed. And I was like, I left him because I was like, I can't treat my little baby Labrador like this. This is not for me. But I say this was like the blustery end of, of well, <laughs> it's persisting, isn't it? But it was it was coming towards an end anyway then, the, the, the treat him hard kind of thing. So then he went, then he turned around and he went, is anybody else's dog waking them up? And this woman said, yeah, yes, my dog wakes me up. And he went, what time? And she said, eight o'clock. And he said, you should be up by then. Next, right, we go. <laughs> he moved on to the next thing. And I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, I mean, thank but the funny is, is how many people, I mean, I've seen so many dogs who've set up for lifetime anxieties because people, breeders have told them that let their puppies cry out and leave them in a different room. Mm. They're at the most vulnerable stage of their life. They can't keep themselves warm yet. They can't regulate their body temperature. Mm. They need to have the security of someone there and they're left alone. It's just so distressing. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? And yet... Luckily, lots of people will ignore it and then they end up sleeping the dog or taking the dog (laughs) into the bedroom. And I always say, you know, the dog should be with you uh, for a good few months. And if you then want to migrate them slowly out of the bedroom, fine. But you can toilet train them better. You can make sure they're not frightened. You can comfort them if they're they're awake and they're kind of lonely. They're social animals, aren't they? And yet we expect them to be in a completely different area of the house hours yeah, yeah and in effect you know we're punishing them from their little mind you don't like me you've sent me away you've banished me you know and I put my hands up when we had buddy I fell for all that he was in his crate in the in the laundry I looking back I think oh my goodness when we had star just three years later she was in the bedroom with us in her in a crate but in the bedroom and I just yeah. I learned so fast but Yes, he was. We had a camera on him. It wasn't. I didn't love him, you know. But we we was saw he was okay. But yeah, looking back, I fell for for the advice. Some of the advice that was around at the time, and and some obviously yeah. I looked at like that chap saying, you know, go and go and bang the kitchen door. I was like, no, I'm not doing this. So, but it's yeah, it's you take them from the bosom of their family when they're a little tiny puppy, and you mm-hmm. take them into your house. They need that reassurance. They need to see you as. All good things come from you. It's, you know, it's heartbreaking if they don't. Yeah, Yeah, you can cause so many attachment problems, you know, and anxiety problems. Mm. But then, you know, if they're not with you, you you don't know if they're ill. You don't know if they're frightened. You know, and I hear people who say, oh, my dog's frightened of fireworks. But then they still leave them overnight in a different room. Or I've known dogs who've literally being frightened by a storm because something's bashed against the window yeah. or something and then they can't sleep in that room anymore oh. yet people insist on putting them back in the room it's like well just change the room and they'll probably settle down or have them with you for a while and I, you know people just don't realize how important that sleep is you know we and the emotions are sorted yeah. out we we 
you always think about, you know, we always say things like, oh, sleep on it will be better in the morning. It is. You can work out a problem by the morning, yeah. can't you? Because your brain has processed it. Processed it. Yeah. But we know even now from human studies that things like if you have a bad night's sleep after a vaccination, the vaccination doesn't take as well. Wow. We also know that dementia is linked to bad sleep. Yeah. So there's like so many fundamental things that we need to make sure that you are, you know, being able to have those hours of sleep. And and the study, the latest studies now are actually quite interesting because we used to say, oh, dogs needed like hours and hours and hours of sleep a day. And it actually is a lot less than we said it was. Mm. So for like puppies from 16 weeks onwards, probably 11 hours-ish, a little bit more. Adult dogs, probably a little bit under that kind of 10, 10 and a bit hours. But if it's not good quality sleep and they're being woken up, then whether that's because you've got a busy household or things are disturbing them. I mean, even a security light coming in through the window at night can disturb dogs wow. and wake them up. Yeah. So, you know, we have to really look at the quality of the sleep that they're getting. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, you know, as it you know, not only impacts on them, but of course it does impact on us. So it's important for all of us that the dogs are getting that quality yeah, sleep. Absolutely, absolutely. It sounds quite a complex area, as you say, that they can be so sensitive. Some of them, you know, like I, I imagine they're like us in that, for example, I'm very noise sensitive, whereas my husband is very light sensitive. <laughs> so we have to have a dark, yeah. quiet bedroom, you know, and everything. But, you know, maybe yeah. dogs are, are like that too. But so... Having somebody like you look at this and advise people and say, look, consider this, this, this. That must be such a help because sometimes you're so close to the problem and you take things for granted. That's just the way it is. You know, having somebody like you, an outside view that looking at it from the dog's point of view must be such a help. Well, yeah. And, so, and most of the time it's really easy to fix. Yeah. You know, it's as simple as changing the room, putting a black up blind out, changing a meal time making sure there isn't external like some dogs do really well with white noise in overnight yeah. or or there's pink noise and brown noise and lots of different noises now yeah, isn't i it? had a noise machine i had a noise machine for christmas so i know exactly what you're talking about i've got pink and right. brown and white and, and there's wind yeah. and all kinds of things on there we've had fun with that yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that sound masking just dampens down you know it might be or it might be, you know, you're they're in a room where you know, people late at night are coming back from the pub or something and going along the road. So that wakes them up. So again, changing them to the quieter room. Yeah. Or as the you know, best advice, having them in with you. But I know that's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. But you know, as a social animal, that's always for me going to be the best place for them to be is, is to be with you in your yeah. room. Yeah. Now saying that they're a social animal. I know a lot of people sort of go, oh, they've got anxiety or they've got whatever. I'll get another dog. Now, if you have a dog that doesn't sleep well or whatever the issue is and you get another dog, sometimes that dog will then develop the same problem, won't they? Um, it's an interesting one, mm. isn't it? Because they can obviously be disturbed by the other dog waking yeah. up. But if your dog is anxious because they're on their own, it doesn't always work. Mm. So I've got separation anxiety cases who's to have somebody has a second dog, but the dog is still so attached to the person Aww. that they still get anxious about that person not being yeah. with them. So it doesn't doesn't cure the problem mm. at all. So, I mean, yeah, potentially it could mean that both of them are, are awake through yeah. the, the night time as well. Mm. It's, there's just so many little things that can sort of trigger it off. But for me, you know, there are a few 
sleep disorders with dogs mm. so dogs can get narcolepsy they can have uh, sleep apnea oh yeah yeah, so they can yeah. Get that as well I mean obviously it's much rarer in dogs but you know there, there may also be a medical reason for it so you obviously the other thing with older dogs is arthritis you know you know yourself if you're in pain it gets worse when you're cold and at night yeah. especially if you've been busy through the day so just changing the type of bed they have can be really useful as well mm. because it means they'll be more comfortable and also allowing them to move around. Lots of dogs won't sleep just in one area at night. They like to change positions. So, of course, if you crate them overnight, they may get really stiff or if they have a bed that's too small. So you really want a bed that is big enough for them to lie flat, like completely lie out flat. Yeah. Many dogs like a pillow. So somewhere to be able to raise their head like us. Many dogs have like to have like a, a, you know, a boundary, something they can lean against, but something that's not solid, because, again, that can put them in a position that makes them sore. If you think about times you've had to sleep on a sofa that's too small for you, you get up in the morning, it's like, oh, I'm really stiff. And it's the same for the dogs. So we have to really think about the shape and the type of bed they have as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it does sound like during the dog's life, their sleep needs and sleep style and you know sleep problems may well change but what's the best way to start off to you know to I suppose develop sleep hygiene they call it don't they I think um, I've never heard of that oh, term that's an interesting I term it's, it's not it doesn't mean it doesn't mean having a bath just before you go to bed no. <laughs> I think it's sleep I think that's a de- otherwise I've just made it up and I'm copywriting it now <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, what what habits should we get into to get the dog a good start, do you think? So it's about, I think, social contact, Hmm. being warm enough, making sure that you've had enough food, making sure that you're toileted, you've had enough mental and physical activity through the day. That's an important one, isn't it? I was thinking that because, you know, if I've had a lazy day, yeah, I might not sleep as well. I might, but I might not. Whereas if I've had a busy day and I'm physically and mentally tired, I'm much more likely to sleep. And that's really important with dogs, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And we're not talking about going out and ball chucking for half an no, hour. Because that's no, no. going to uh, like flood them with adrenaline. Hi- yeah, they're hypers- going to be yeah. more hyper. Yeah. But slow, sniffy walks late at night can be really good. A bit of scent work, you know, some mental stimulation through the day. So... We've got to just think about all of their needs, yes. just like ours. You know, if those needs aren't met, then that will impact. Also, the other thing that really impacts the dog's quality sleep and, a, and ability to sleep well is if they've had a negative experience in the day. Oh, wow. Yeah. And of course, that's when they need sleep the most because mm. then they can emotionally process it through the, the parts of the brain that will deal with that. Yeah. But you often find their sleep pattern will be disturbed if they've had you know, yeah. If, if you have a dog that is frightened of people or dogs or whatever, they've been to the vets and had a bad experience, you might find that they don't sleep well that night. Oh, because that's the other thing I was going to say to you. They dream, don't they? Dogs dream. We see them dream. And I always think, I wonder if it's, you can often tell from, you know, whether it's a happy or a sad dream. But, you know, Jenny was was saying, if if they ever have a bad dream where I'm being horrible to them and then wake up, I want to be able to tell them that was just a dream. That's it's a really difficult area, and I will. It'll be if we ever find out what they're dreaming. Maybe when we get walking MRIs. But um, 
that that's such a, an unknown quantity, isn't it? How much they dream and what they're dreaming about, and does that disturb them? Well, just like us, and there is, you know, there is some study into this now. I mean, it's hmm. not conclusive. Obviously, we can't wake them up and say, you know, what are you dreaming about? But we can obviously imagine if they've had a bad day, then they're going to be processing that through their dreams that night. So it may be that they have some upset dreams and it may be that you might notice they're a bit clingy the next day. Yeah. yeah. Um, we just don't know, do we? We can't sit down and say, what did you dream about last night? No. You know, do you want to talk about it? Yes. And me and my husband often talk about our dreams. He has very vivid dreams and he can, he can um, in the morning, he'll say to me, oh, I've had this dream and I, I kind of just want to, you know, it, it wasn't a nice dream and we can mm. talk through it and we can process it. But for our dogs, you know, it may just be that they need a little bit more attention that day, or we can do something like some telling some touch body work with them, or some extra cuddles, or you know, just kind of know that if they've had a bad experience the next day, that they're probably going to need some quiet rest days, some days that they don't encounter their fearful triggers, and to sort of just help them to be able to ease back into having, you know, a nice restful sleep again. Yeah. Yeah, I think for uh, as again as we're talking, I've just thought of this. But often you kind of think, oh gosh, right, look at the time. I've got to go to bed. I've got an early start, you know. And going to bed can be sometimes a rush. It's like, oh come on, hurry up, dog, toilet, and eat this and do this, and you know whatever it is. And I, th- I think if if and again, it's a good trick if you can do it. But thinking ahead and planning ahead a bit and sort of thinking, okay, I need three or four hours before bedtime. I need to make sure that as you say, they've had their walk and a nice sniff round they've eaten they've drunk and kind of plan that in so it's not a, a sort of rush and helter skelter into bed and they're not quite ready and they're not quite ready to go to sleep so that's really interesting that you brought that up because what do we do with our nighttime routine is that the dogs are nicely on the sofa or with us like chilling out and then we're like come on and wake up we shove them outside they get chased for something in the garden they get all excited to come in then we leave them yeah and they're yeah. like oh I'm wait now and for those anxious dogs people say to me oh they really don't like going in the room that they want to sleep in so I bet they don't so the minute you start doing going to bed cues they start getting anxious yeah yeah so you've got to think so change the routine it could be that you put them out for their last night we like half an hour before you go to bed Mm. and then you might do some you know lower the lights put some soft music on some classical music you can read from a book rather than your screen so it helps you you could do all of your amenities as well, like teeth washing and all that stuff. So that when you go to bed and they're they're nice and like they're chilled out again and they've fallen back asleep and you can then just quietly go to bed instead yeah. of waking up again and getting them all excited and then you've gone or anxious and you've gone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah bedtime routine can be really important. Yeah. Yeah. And again, we see it's, we're locked into our little world and how we see it and our needs. And if you stop and go, hang on, what am I doing to the dog here? What messages am I giving the dog? It, it does change it doesn't it it's it's a big um area it's a big subject and obviously if you if your dog and you have a problem with this as we've said it's a big issue for you and it affects has knock-on effects to your life you've gathered a lot of information together about this and you've actually you've written a book about it haven't you yeah a whole book (laughs) (laughs) so the the help you need is there you can you can sleep at least (laughs) So, yeah, so I co-author and write books um, with uh, Karen Bush. And um, this, we kind of come up with subjects of one thing. So that in each book that we write, it's got everything you need to know that we found out about that particular subject. So this one's called Help My Dog Won't Sleep. 
and it will have reasons why they don't sleep, how they sleep, you know, training patterns. It will look at all of the things we've been discussing today and give you loads of ideas on how to to help them have a better night. Um, But they they are a series of books what we call skinny books. So our publishing company, as it was, called Skinny Dog Books. Yeah. Mainly because the books are quite skinny because I've only got one subject in, but also we've both owned skinny dogs. So yeah. I had a lecture, she's got Whippet. So um so it's kind of named after them as well. So yeah, then, yeah there's a whole series. We've got you know, dogs who don't like fireworks, dogs who don't travel well, dogs with canine compulsive disorder, dogs destroying the garden. I wrote one about dogs uh, being frightened of the vet. So there's this whole series. Uh, but the latest one is help my dog won't sleep. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a great idea because, as you say, I don't always want to plough through the other information in a book. Obviously, that you know, a book that's got a lot of a variety of information is useful at times. But sometimes you think this is my big problem. This is what I need help on. And your book, it has practical help and it it, it sort of has a variety of information to do with that subject so that you will probably find something that addresses your needs won't you absolutely and even to the point in the back of the book we listed all of the science papers that we found so you can go and also then look at those if you want to have a little bit more in-depth information which some people do Mm. you know where we found that information you know it's up to date because we took all the ones that were like the last two years read through them so that we've got all the proper data and then it's got all then obviously my knowledge of how to deal with dogs who aren't sleeping and what they need because this isn't a training issue this is a your dog needs something Mm. So it's changing people's opinion. Like you were saying earlier, the dogs aren't being naughty. The dogs are lacking something, emotional support or a need of some kind. So we want to address those needs rather than just going, well, like you were saying with the old trainer, I'll just turn them off. Yeah, but that's not going to work. (laughs) No, no, just make things worse. Yeah. If someone reads the book and they're still having issues, can can they get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. You know, the, with the, the lovely, um, you know, blooming of things like Zoom and Teams and all of that stuff, there's so many platforms that we can get together on now, even if they're not in my local area. So I'm based in South Oxfordshire in England. Um, yeah, we can we can work out what's going on and hopefully solve the problem even at a distance. Yeah, excellent. Where's the best place for people to find you online? Probably my website, really easy. It's just my name, my name, tonyshelbourne.co.uk, Tony with an I. Um, or you'll find me on social media really easy. I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. It's, it's been really interesting. Is there any anything sort of, any overriding thing that you'd still like to say or one a thought you'd like to leave people with? Um, well, just before we were talking about we were talking about social media and stuff. Obviously, if you're interested in the book, they're on Amazon worldwide. So you can either just Google my name or Google help my dog won't sleep. But I think the ultimate thing I want to say about sleep is it's just important for your dog as it is for you. Yeah. So make sure that you both get quality sleep. And don't be put off by these old age trainers who say your dog shouldn't be on the bed. Your dog shouldn't be in your bedroom. That is the best place for them, for you and them. So don't worry about it. If you look, I often get people who say to me, they kind of mumble under the breath when my dog's in the bedroom. I'm like, great. <laughs> and they're like, oh, <laughs> well, 
like, no, that's brilliant. You know, so don't be afraid to have your dogs with you. As long as you haven't got a health issue that causes a problem with their dandel, their hair, whatever, you don't mind a bit of hair on the bed. Sleep with your dogs. Excellent advice as ever. And you know, when Tony's looked into a subject, she's left no stone unturned and you're getting all the information you need. A big thank you to Tony for her time and expertise. And we have the links she mentioned on the Dogcast Radio site at dogcastradio.com, where you can find all our podcasts and more. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. And now for the Dogcast Radio news. First up, in the week we had Valentine's Day, the Kennel Club revealed that almost half of dog owners would rather spend that special day with their dog than go on a date. Surprisingly, being in a relationship had little effect on that statistic, with 42% of dog owners saying they prefer spending time with their pup than their partner. And for a whopping 71%, canine cuddles are better than human hugs. Half of dog owners would not date someone whom their dog didn't like, and nearly 6 out of 10 people would not date someone who wasn't a fan of dogs, and nearly two-thirds of dog owners think that their dog understands them better than other people do. At least if you spend Valentine's Day with your dog, you get to keep any chocolate treats to yourself, because chocolate is toxic to dogs. But did you know that you can share your Shrove Tuesday treats with them? According to Scott Miller of Barking Heads, your dog can have a pancake as long as it's just plain batter. Obviously, as already mentioned, don't give them chocolate, and try to limit sugar content to as little as possible, preferably none. It's better to make your own pancakes if you intend to share them with your pooch, but if you do go for shop-bought ones, opt for gluten-free and definitely avoid the sweetener xylitol, which can be fatal for dogs. Toppings to avoid include syrups, butter, nuts, raisins and grapes. But your dog can enjoy bananas, apples, blueberries, carrot or cucumber. Bear in mind, calories have much more effect on dogs because they're smaller than us. So make sure you only give them a very small pancake or a small part of your pancake. Getting their diet right is important for your dog to live happily and healthy for as long as possible, which might be longer than you expect, if you're very lucky. The world's oldest dog recently turned 30 years old. Bobby, the long-lived dog in question, is a refero, a Portuguese livestock dog. The previous world's oldest dog was Bluey, an Australian cattle dog who lived to be 29 years and 5 months old, dying in 1939. The normal life expectancy of a refero is between 12 and 14 years old, so Bobby, who lives on a farm in central Portugal, is doing really well. He obviously has good genetics, as his mother lived to be 18 years old. Apparently, Bobby has always eaten more or less what his family does, with his diet including lots of meat and fish. And according to a new study, table scraps are better for our dogs than highly processed kibble. Now, to be honest, I'm taking this with a pinch of salt which is something our dogs should avoid, because too much salt is bad for them. But the study by the University of Helsinki, Finland, suggests puppies and young dogs given non-processed meat, dinner table leftovers and raw bones suffer from fewer stomach disorders later in life. Conversely, a diet of processed dog food could lead to a higher risk of gastrointestinal problems. The research analysed pet owners' details about the diets of 4,681 puppies and 3,926 adolescent dogs. And their findings included, for example, that rawhide has negative health implications, while berries have positive effects. 
While the suggestions are interesting, it's worth bearing in mind that many foods we humans enjoy are dangerous for dogs, so we shouldn't be indiscriminately feeding our leftovers to our dogs. Why do dogs howl? It's an old question, but one that scientists in Hungary at Budapest's Iotvos Lorand University have been looking into. The team played three-minute-long recordings of wolf howls to 68 purebred family dogs, including Shiba Inu, Siberian Husky, Alaskan Malamute, Pekingese, Bull Terriers and Boxers, and observed how their breed, age and sex affected their reactions. Those breeds, which are genetically closer to wolves, were more likely to howl in response, and they also showed more stress signals than dogs which are less related to wolves. The study found that this was more true of dogs over five years old than younger dogs. And since it's the first study specifically investigating howling in domestic dogs, the subject is set to be the focus of further studies. And talking of howling, that's all we've got time for now. So until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcast.com radio.com that's d-o-g-c-a-s-t radio.com if you'd like to get in touch with us and wherever you are in the world we'd love to hear from you you can do so in a variety of ways you can contact us on skype with the ident dog cast radio that's all one word dog cast radio by email you can contact me on julie at dog cast radio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. It's not Jenny, it's me again, I'm afraid, but it is a joke that she selected. Our dog can find anything. He's a Labra Google.